Okay, welcome one and all to the Information Revolution, a podcast for people working with information. Uh, it's slightly different this uh, session, and we've been away for a little bit, just uh, living our lives. Um, Judy Verno uh, couldn't make it, but Carl and I are having a catch-up. So uh, my name is Michael Upton, and I'm in Wellington, New Zealand, um, and I'm a director of a little consulting company called Metataxis. And I'm Carl Melrose. I work for Castle Point Systems out of Canberra. Um, my views are my own. Let's be really clear about that. Um, and you know, let, let's just be. Let's just call it out too. You know, I think we're both slightly uh, concerned that without Judy here, things will be less sensible than usual. So let's just. Let, let's. Just, That's right. <laughs> the yeah, moderating the voice, the voice of reason, going. What are you on about? That's it. So <laughs> what, what, we we are planning to talk about measurement and efficiency and effectiveness and all that kind of stuff today. Yeah, that's right. So um, one of the kind of themes that keeps coming up, I think, in our conversations is about what are we even trying to do? And there has been a bit of that thing of, well, and, you know, if, if we had an idea of how, what we wanted to do, then how would we measure that? Yeah. I think it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a big question for, I think, every records program. And I think it's one of those things, you know, I've written some posts about this and, you know, I'm, I study uh, psychodynamics now so you know this this is what I, I sort of look for but we kind of have this collusive relationship I think in some ways with regulators and with our organizations where I don't think a lot of us are measuring the success of programs and I, th I think there's a little bit of a collusive relationship going on there where I, I don't think I, I think executives know they're not funding the, the programs you know effectively they're not giving them enough money so that they can be effective but if nobody actually comes and officially gives them an audit finding, then they don't officially know that the pro the month the program they're funded isn't necessarily being effective, and because it needs more funding, so they don't have to do anything about it. Somebody was questioning John Howard about something many many years ago. He was a former Australian Prime Minister for people who are not in Australia and New Zealand. Um, and he made a, a comment about how there's a difference between knowing and knowing, and and the point he was trying to make was that you know you, you can you can have some you can have rumours around and you can have people coming to you and saying, oh look you know this doesn't seem right or we think this is bad, but when when you're an office holder like that when you're an official, the point at which you know is where when somebody has gone and done something with some rigour to measure that something is happening and they have come and presented you with a report in your capacity as you know that whatever function you are to say this thing this this is the audit we've done and these are the results this thing's getting and there, so there's a difference between knowing and knowing and i think that's something that happens a lot in our industry and i think it's something that we have to break um and you know it's one of the reasons why you know i, I like to see archives going and auditing because once an archive audits somebody and says, you know, your rate of effectiveness is X, Y, Z, then all of a sudden the people that, that are in power at that agency know. You know, like the the ANAO report um, that came out a couple of months ago, he's been causing a bit of a kerfuffle because effectively it said that uh, a couple of agencies in Australia, and I think one was Prime Minister and Cabinet, you know, their, their rate of effectiveness in their records program has dropped from somewhere in the somewhere around 30% four years ago, as in, uh, uh, and down to about, I think it's around about 7% now. And what they're actually measuring there is they're measuring uh, 
the volume of record, the total volume of records in the agency and what's actually been sentenced. And four years ago, it was, and, you know, I'll get the numbers wrong. You should go and check the report out. It's actually quite good. Um, you know, four years ago or five years ago, it was about 30% of records being sentenced. Now it's about 7%. And so as a proxy for program effectiveness, you know, you can say the effectiveness of that program has gone from 30% down to 7%. And, you know, I mean, that, those numbers, that they, they license a lot more... Um, they license a lot of innovation. You know, I mean, I've got some friends at a university that had an audit finding a number of years ago that said, you know, they were achieving a two percent capture rate in their official record system. And Michael, I think you'd know who that is. Do uh, yep. And what what it licensed them to do was actually go out and innovate. You know, I mean, they really heavily embraced Microsoft three six five. They they've just you know they've they've just kind of gone like this, and they've done that because their executive all of a sudden were faced with this problem where, well, now we officially know that the program we've got isn't being effective. And I mean, these are smart people, you know, I mean, you, if you, if you met the people that had this audit finding, they're just, they're smart people. They're good. They know what they're doing. They're passionate about their craft. Like they are, they're everything you'd hope for to have from people working in the industry and they're achieving a 2% capture rate. So, you know, switched over to Microsoft 365, you know, they had to make that risk trade-off of, we know that we're going to move into a system that, you know, isn't compliant with the regulations that we need to, but we think that by doing that, you know, our effective rate of control of the records that we've got, you know, can go up dramatically. And I think that we're stuck in a bit of a pattern because of some, some of the things that we're measuring and this sort of collusive relationship we have where, you know, we can't officially measure and then, you know, executive don't officially know. So that's probably a bit of a downer to start us off on. But um, <laughs> I, yeah, I know. But I, I think that's a little bit of the measurement dynamic that that, mm. that is here. And what I'd say from New Zealand's perspective is, um, you know, you'll be aware that in New Zealand, um, auditing from the archive is actually, you know, it's mandated in legislation. And so, you know, probably in spite of um, a bunch of kind of budgetary constraints and so forth. That's one thing that, you know, our National Archive definitely does. Um, and it is really interesting to me the extent to which that does, um, uh, you know, draw attention from people uh, who would be responsible for the outcomes of that audit, audit um, you know, including the kind of the records and information folks, but also, you know, the, in the exec. Um, and you know, and so I think I think there is something kind of positive about that. There's a yeah. bunch of stuff I would say about. Um, I think to your point about what what you choose to measure, to to formulate standardised questions that you're going to ask everyone, and to use those to measure effectiveness, um, is I think quite hard. Like I think it's quite a challenge to um, to kind of come up with things that. Um, uh, allow for that innovation or allow for that variation between the way different organisations work and to not accidentally start asking questions about the wrong thing. Um, I, I, like, like a really specific example is it might be easy to sort of ask about how much metadata are you, you know, making people apply when they capture records as a measure of sort of um, things being well described. But if you're being that prescriptive, 
um, things might have moved on. And, you know, and, and currently people are all like, oh, we want to minimize the amount that we're applying metadata manually. You know, we want to be doing smarter things, classification in the background, et cetera, et cetera. You know, um, so I think you can you can think, oh, well, here's a tangible and measurable thing that will give us a proxy for the outcome that we're looking for, which is, you know, is information well described so that it can be well controlled, you know, and, and accidentally basically shoot yourself in the foot. And I, and I think that's one of the things that you could generalize to measurement, you know, is that uh, pe- people kind of work to the measurement, right? They go, oh, okay, oh, you're yeah. telling me this is what I need to measure. I'm going to make sure that thing works um, without necessarily um, – it's that kind of thing about letter of the law versus spirit of the law, I suppose, you know? Well, so think, if you go, think, well, okay. I'm going to look it up in a minute, but I think it's called Goodhart's Law, which basically says that, oh, you know, right. as soon as soon as a, as soon as a me, uh, what is it, as soon as a metric becomes a measure or a me, measure becomes a metric, um, it loses all value because people start to game it. And, and you, you know, I mean, I think there's a, on the subject of things like, um, describing metadata i mean new zealand seems to be doing really well generally you know i mean i i talk to people running programs in new zealand and things seem to be going quite well or they said or or a lot better in terms of the way executives are engaging with them but i I think we've got to sort of recognize and i think it's a a point that's aligned to what you were just saying to we've got to recognize where we are and we've got to and we've got to measure accordingly you know so the, the thing that you know the ANA have gone out and measured and you know measured these a couple of agencies and found a seven percent compliance rate so I mean you, you don't need a um, I, I don't if it, when your compliance rate is that low I don't think you need to be asking people about your metadata and how to find out how well described your records are I mean if anything I think you need to be turning off all description and just you know doing whatever you can to you know get people to put things into a system where you've got some control of it somewhere (laughs) yeah but you know i mean like a a, a data inventory you know like i I was we're running this executive engagement thing um for rimper at the moment and cheryl one of the other leaders went through um how she one of the ways she approaches strategy and you know the way she starts she starts with the data profile and the data profile is literally just here's what's in a record here's what's in record systems here's what's in email here's what's in um you know, shared drives, here's what's in databases, here's what's in, you know, cloud storage. And it's just like big, it's just bulk numbers. And it gives you a sense of, of where you are. And, you know, like, I, I, you know, there are organization, you know, if you go into an organization and, you know, they tell you that they've got, you know, 10 terabytes of stuff in their EDRMS and they've got a petabyte of stuff in their, on their um, file store. Yeah. yeah. On, on their, and, and like, that is not a, <laughs> that's not an uncommon thing, um, then, I mean, you can sit there and say, without even getting into structured data and cloud services, which, you know, they, if they've got a petabyte in their in their share drives, they've probably got five petabytes in their other stuff, in their other repositories. I mean, you can measure very quickly what the, you know, that there is a compliance problem here. And I think then you can start to act accordingly. And I mean, if, you, if you're in that situation, I guess, you know, what, what are you measuring for? You know, who are you measuring for? What are you measuring for? I mean, I think they're your key questions, you know, because if you are measuring because you want to know that the interventions you are making in your organisation are being effective, then you measure very differently to what you measure if you are measuring so that you can get funding from your executive or you can make your regulator go away when they come and try and audit you or, you know, and these are all different purposes. But, you know, I mean, if you if you want to, 
if you want to design and if you want to change the program of work and the way records is being done in your organization i mean i think the first thing you want to do is you need measures that are going to tell you whether the intervention you've designed is being effective or whether it's making things worse and you know i mean maybe you start by measuring just well we've got a a shared drive over here and we've got a record system and you know we're going to measure it for we're, we're going to look at the rate of creation of new stuff in each one for for six months and then we're going to make some interventions. And what we want is we want to see the rate of creation in this one dropping and we want to see the rate of creation in this one going up. Maybe you're going to measure that. You know, I mean, I think that's you, a really good approach. I think when you described what Cheryl was talking about in terms of that data profile, which seems very much like where we started this entire podcast with knowing what you've got. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it, yeah, I mean, uh, that one, one of the things I really like about that is that it's, um, it's a very, very, um simple like it should be a really low effort thing to actually do that measurement thing you're not actually adding complicated overhead um i think we've talked before about things like time and motion studies and while in principle i really like that idea i'm always nervous that you know you're you're not even going to get the funding to do those kinds of things to establish those baselines but so i I, I think think as a starter those kind of volume and you know um yeah rate of growth measures are really good ones yeah and i think you you make a really good point too about you know i'm i'm on record saying i think time in motion you know is actually a great place for for records to go because we constantly talk about findability and about reducing the cost of finding the right records and those kinds of things but we never go and measure it and so if we're going to start justifying programs based on that but you know it it, then then you know we, we need to be going and measuring that so that we can do the benefits realization piece that says to people the money you gave us to do this was was worth the money. But, you know, I mean, uh, I think we've got to... I think funding, as you, as you, raise, as you say, is, a, is really important. And, you know, the nice thing about going and, and just doing a data profile is that depending on the level of resolution you're at, you know, you might have to take a couple of extra hours of work time to do it, but I don't think you need to go and get it funded, you know. <clears throat> <clears throat> it's going exactly. to take a lot of time to go and hassle it, to go and hassle IT for some of this stuff. But you know, it was a piece of piece of work I was doing recently, and you know, somebody just they they had to go to an EDRMS administrator to find how much was in the EDRMS, but then they needed to know how much was in the share drive, and they could just go and you know right click drive properties, and you know, and they got that. I mean, if if you were only going to measure two things at the start of your records program, I mean, you can do those things really quickly. Um, I think later on, you know, and this is where the, what are you trying to do? I mean, if you are trying to get funding and you want to try to get funding by working with team leaders to do small projects that improve the access to to the right information, the speed that they can get it with so that productivity in the team goes up. I mean, you can't do that at the whole organisation level and you'd be doomed if you tried. You've got to do it at the individual person level and you've literally got to go and get the stopwatch and do it at the individual level. But the person who can gain from that exercise, I mean, that's, you know, that's one team leader. So I guess the scope that you're trying to work at really matters. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think um, on that, that I mean, if, if we're talking about those kind of things, that are sort of efficiency, like how fast can you get something done or how accurately, I mean, which which kind of comes together because... If you can't do stuff accurately, you're probably repeating yourself, so it's taking more time, et cetera, et cetera. The, um, uh, but what I was going to say about all of that is that, yeah, you, you I mean, I, th- I think you have to pick an area where 
there's great value in doing it. You know, there's great your hunch is that there's like your kind of working hypothesis is that yeah. there's big gains, big gains. And then you go, okay, cool. I'll bother investing the time and the measures there. And then I've got this great story with the data behind it. I can show people and go, hey. But again, it comes back to why you're doing it. Like that, it's a great reason. I mean, I would think the main reasons that you would do that. Of course, you're trying to make things work for that team, but it's also so that you've got a kind of a um, a story to tell to uh, those who are providing you funding, or those who you want to work with who perhaps are skeptical or don't understand what you bring. Yeah, mm, but I th- I think I mean I think you use the right word there. You know, hypothesis. You know, because I think that's what this ultimately is. You know, it's a process of what's my hypothesis about where records is at in this organization and what it can and what it can deliver and how do I measure, you know, where we are now so that later on I can measure, you know, whether I've been effective in delivering that. And I think that's a powerful tool. And if I were going to start somewhere, I mean, with an executive, I mean, I, th- I think that'd be it, you know, I'd start with something like a data profile and then I'd go and find out, say, look, here's a data profile and here's a few things that it says. I mean, you know, as an organization, do we care about that? Or do we care about these things that it means? You know, and I think that's, you know, it's one of the underlying things about this executive engagement program we're running. You know, we've, we've, we've I've been trying to get people to think about, to, to think outside of records. You know, I mean, there's a, and I've been writing about this recently because I've been thinking about it quite a lot. You know, there's a, there's a theory about strategic behavior that basically says that there are only two forms of strategic behavior and, and those are deception and coalition building. And, you know, it, it's, if you think about, if you think about what happens with regulators, I mean, what regulators actually do is they take the coercive power of, of, of legislation and they write some regulations and then they form a temporary a, a coalition with, you know, coalition is just an alliance, you know, it's people trying to do to achieve the same thing. They use that coercive power to form a temporary alliance with you to achieve their goals. But the thing you got to remember is that those are their goals, you know, they become the organization's goals, but depending on the strength of the coercive power that, you know, the regulator has. But I think that we have to recognise, I don't think we recognise that regulatory relationship for what it is. You know, it's a coalition based on coercive power, whereas inside your own organisation, I mean, you've got lots of opportunities to form little coalitions based on gains that you can offer. I mean, you know, if, if you went to if you went to a director level person in your organization who you know was struggling to get funding to hire because you know to hire the next 10 people because the regulatory load had gone up and you said to them well you know you've got 100 people in your, your team now i think we can raise the effectiveness of records uh, the, the effectiveness of, of this team or the efficiency level that they're operating at you know by spending 50 grand on this project here to do this workflowy thing or something like that um and you'd measured it i mean i don't think there is a director on the planet who wouldn't give you the money to do that because it would mean that they wouldn't have to hire those next 10 people and you know that's a that's a form of coalition building you know what you ultimate what we ultimately want is we want better records you know these people want more productive teams you know some of them actually want to hire large teams but and you know depending on the way the incentive work incentives work in the organizations you're in sometimes you know the efficiency stuff isn't quite so simple but if you can form a short-term coalition with these people that that gets better records by delivering a business gain for them i mean that's the essence of a lot of strategic behavior i, I think, I think that, there's um 
sorry, I mean, just just picking on this specific I'm point about it. Anyway, as per usual, so I'm without Judy here to, mo- <laughs> here to moderate me. Judy, come back. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, just on, on that thing of like what you're measuring in terms of the benefits of increased efficiency, um, yeah, headcount obviously can be a really contentious one. And another angle that comes through commonly is kind of that idea that actually, you know, you, you don't need fewer people, but you're shifting into more valuable work. And so I think a really useful thing in that space is to actually say, well, what's more valuable work? Because I think, mm. again, in terms of measuring stuff, it sounds great. And um, throwing around productivity is another perfect example where you're like, oh, you know, increased productivity. So what is increased productivity, you know, in the context of basically a bunch of people in a big bureaucracy processing information? Um, And yeah, you know, like I I think that there are a lot of answers to those things, but probably sort of just cranking more throughput um, is not always and, and perhaps not even often. I don't know. I haven't really thought it through. But, mm. you know, it's, it's it's something that I think needs to be worked out. So I think it's something if you're thinking about using those kinds of framings for something and say, look, oh, this will make us more efficient or, or more productive or people will be able to do more valuable things. You have to say, why is this of value, you know? Um, yeah. And sort of, sort of tangentially to that, one of the things on my mind um, is that um, I think, uh, you know, information and records folks are taught to think about the value of information and to think about, um, uh, you know, why, yeah, what information is of value, right? And we normally talk about that as appraisal. Said before, when I think about appraisal, I think you can't just take a regulatory view or a sort of a long-term citizenship view of like, you know, this is our stories we want to tell over generations. But also, you know, if you can go, oh, um, where is our most valuable information? And then think of metrics around the stuff that really matters. Then, you know, I think I think that's, that's important. I think um, we operate in working environments where, you know, we just make more stuff, you know, like everyone talks about the increased volume of data and information that we're dealing with. Um, so I think we need to be very confident that we're shifting our focus to uh, i feel like i'm absolutely repeating myself in previous episodes things that are of either really high value or really high risk to the organization and then we're putting measures around what we're doing with just that stuff much more than thinking about well how do we measure um everything and Mm. it's kind of a caveat to what i was saying about volumes earlier you know it's like um for instance, if you were talking about a shift from working in shared drives and you wanted to measure the volume of, you know, um, gains going into the EDRMS to check, oh, yeah, okay, cool, we're getting a whole lot more stuff into our EDRMS now, is it absolute crap <laughs> that's going into the EDRMS? Um, and so that would be the only caveat about the simplicity of measuring volumes is what's, it's the good old quality yeah, word, what's the quality be, yeah. of what we're working with, you know? And, and, you know, and so I, I, I would always have that in my mind as like, okay, what are the measures or, or, or what are the risks of just measuring volumes of stuff? And I think the risk with the volumes of stuff is that it's not painting a picture of um, change that would really impact the organization or impact the people the information's about or who rely on that information. 
yeah. So I think uh, I think that, that you know and those skills and that experience that we have around around assessing the value or the risk of information, I think we need to bring them to bear when we're thinking about appropriate measures. Yeah, I and you know just in case anybody thinks I'm hopelessly naive, you know I have had directors say to me, "You can't make a productivity based business case here." And you know if you if you make a productivity based business case, well. When I give you the money, I've got to say who I'm going to fire because of you know because I'm getting that money. So you know I've been around the block on this often enough to know it's not easy. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. On, on the value front that you that that you just described, I mean, I agree with you. I think one of the challenges we've got is we're taught to think about value in specific ways in records, and I think you know this is the this is one of the things that I'm I've been trying to stress in the the executive engagement program as well is that we have to start valuing what we do the way our executives value what we do if we want to get funding. And that doesn't mean we have to value everything the same way as they do, as, as they do, but it means we've got to start to think about, you know, what we're actually asking for them from them is a capital allocation towards records. And so how do we justify that capital allocation? You know, how do we prove? How do we give them enough value to justify them giving us, you know, a hundred thousand dollars over giving somebody else a hundred thousand dollars to build a, a a new information system? Um, and so I, I think we've got to look at the way we think about the value of information. You know, I've talked about the die car model, you know, probably a thousand times on different things, and you know, probably five hundred times on this podcast. You know, data, information, knowledge, actions, results. You know quality of your results depends on the quality of your actions, depends on the quality of your knowledge, your ability to make decisions, which depends on the quality of your information. And, you know, you should be able to, you know, measure the change in your results by changing the quality factor of your information. And so, you know, I, I always think we've got to think about the value of information that way, which really means we've got to understand what does performance mean in our organisation? You know, I talk a lot about measuring performance and people think, oh, that means, you know, more revenue or whatever it is. But, you know, every organization does it a little bit differently. You know, there's something that's important to them. You know, talking to a, an organization recently, you know, they are just really worried about a regulator on a specific issue for them at the moment because this regulator has been quite bolshy. They're quite big. You know, they are worried that this regulator is going to you know, that, that if they have a, a problem in a specific area, you know, the regulator's going to whack them really hard. And so they're working really hard to avoid that problem. So performance for them means staying off the radar of this particular regulator. You know, that's the performance metric, you know. If, you know, for, and for other organisations, you know, I mean, depending on the type of organisation, you know, it can, it can literally be, you know, we have to process a thousand of these and we've measured the cost of processing them and it's, you know, $10 each and we want to drop that cost to $5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that, that can literally be what it is. But I, I think on the increased volume side of things too, I mean, the increase in volume is only a problem if our capacity to deal with it isn't going up. And th the problem the problem with the increased volume, and actually I wrote something about this yesterday, the problem with the increased volume um, that we've got in records is that I think there's been a real delay in changes in practice and changes in volume. So volume's gone like this and practice it, the ability of practice to deal with it's kind of gone like this. You know, you go back and you look at some innovations and, you know, we've got sentence on creation. 
you know, put it in the right spot in a BCS and it gets a sentence. And, you know, that's kind of the, that, that's kind of the limits of, you know, the innovations to deal with volume. And, and to just jump in for those uh, not looking at YouTube, uh, <laughs> Carl just was drawing a line going way, <laughs> way up for volume and a very level line for practice, which is probably yeah. nothing do you, do, you dis- <laughs> do you disagree with that? I mean, am I the only person that, that, that thinks? No, nah, no, I don't disagree. No, I think, uh, I think like the big problems that we should be dealing with typically are operating at a really big level that's way above where a lot of records people are focused, which is sort of pushing a folder full of documents around or, yeah, I, mean, I think, I think that's in line with what you're saying. Yeah. You um, know, it, which, it, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm getting at. And I mean, if, if there are people who are really innovating, I mean, I'd love to hear from them because I think that's, you know, I mean, this is what the, the whole point of this third generation of record system talk that I'm giving at Rimper is that, you know, I, I think one of the, I think that's part of what we're seeing. I think part of what we're seeing in the next generation of record systems is this ability to deal with scale much more effectively because, you know, typically what we've relied on is we've relied on people to read things and understand what they are and then do something with metadata to classify things. And, you know, now we're starting to get, um, systems that can do that for us. And so we don't have to have people reading things. And so all of a sudden we can operate at a level way, way, way above. But, you know, that the basic point that, you know, that increased volume is only a problem with our, if our capacity to deal with it is, well, what problems is that, and, you know, just to come back to measurement, what problems is that increase in volume really causing us? Because that I think is, I think that's the crux of, the challenge for records management, you know, I mean, I think if we if we were if we were better able to articulate the problems that that increase in volume was causing, I don't think we would have the problems with funding that we're having in most places. And so, you know, we've we've got to think about whether that means one of two things. You know, I mean, is that increase in you know the volume, velocity, veracity, and whatever else it is, you know, just just not causing the problems that we keep saying it is. Because I, I feel like professionally as, as a group, you know, there's a little bit of a chicken little kind of phenomenon going on. You know, people always, people are talking about, I mean, the latest one that I saw an article on was uh, was loss of history. You know, there's this period in the 90s where we're going to lose all of this history um, because, you know, we were sort of in this electronic paper switchover. And so, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. there wasn't the level of control that we would have liked. And so a lot of that stuff's gone, you know, also f- switchovers from formats like microfish and some of these other things you know that they've they're running out they're the end they're sort of hitting their end of life and um but i mean what 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 problems really is this dramatic increase in stuff causing other than the fact that because we're still very much thinking one record you know one action we we don't have the resources to handle it and we've been swamped and not had the resources to handle it. You know, I mean, and the, the ANAO report gives us a sense of, you know, how that's going. You know, we've, we've, I think you could make an argument that when everything was on paper, you know, eventually we were reaching, you know, let's say a 95% compliance rate because you'd always have 5% of stuff that would probably just disappear and stay under people's desks forever until someone burnt it or threw it out. Um, not, not, not that would actually happen. create the thing. Yeah. <laughs> But then, you know, we're eventually getting 95% of it. And, you know, now we're, 
uh, you know, I mean, maybe over a long enough time span because people are mostly reluctant to delete things. You know, I, I have seen that, you know, pretty much pretty much the, the pattern that I've, that I've observed is that as long as you keep adding more storage to the file server that people, that people are putting things on, they won't delete things, or at least that's my hypothesis about what happens. You know, what I have, what I have seen happen is I've seen organizations where, you know, they've got a file server and someone says, we're not, we're not adding more storage because, you know, we've got to, we've got to make better use of what we've got or something like that. And so, you know, somebody comes along and they need, they've got to run a new project and there's no space to store their documents. And so they go, oh, that's an old project. I'll delete it. And, you know, somebody yeah, yeah. notices two years later and then they, you know, scramble through their backups, you know, to try and get that stuff back because they all of a sudden need it. But like, that's the kind of behaviour pattern that I see. So, I mean, th there haven't been catastrophes for most of those organisations, even though the volume keeps going up and, you know, records capacity to deal with it keeps going along on this, this fairly flat line because we're still thinking, you know, practice is still very much focused on this one object type thing. I really feel like this totally relates to what I was just saying about value and risk that, I mean, my perception is that um, we we record more, basically, in the most basic sense. We're capturing more stuff in a recorded form than we used to. But that doesn't mean that the kinds of things that traditionally records management was supposed to be managing have gone up. Mm. And they probably and have. I agree. It uh, flows on completely uh, from the point you made. That that was yeah. that was the point. Yeah, and so that's why I'm conscious of that from a measurement perspective. I kind of think, you know, um, I've been making a recent argument. There's a YouTube clip somewhere I could probably link to that. Um, you know, if, if we talk about chat, like Teams chat or chat in Skype or whatever, it's an incidental record. Like it was never. People don't go. Hmm. I think I need to keep a record of you know. Um, asking my colleague what they had for breakfast or, you know, or like commenting on their cat's bum showing up on screen during a team meeting or something. You know, that's not record keeping. And so why would we then say, okay, now we need to manage these things as records? Yeah. Um, and, and, and to me, this is absolutely critical if we're talking about measuring anything. It's like we need to factor in um where the value lies um and, and but I, but i think you're right that i mean when i think about what should be the problems with volume i think about and i do feel like we could go into a whole other <laughs> session on this but um but when i think about what should be the problems with volume i kind of think that it ought to be that it's harder to control information because you can't find those nuggets or you can't find those high risk things and I don't know technology-wise whether that has been a problem. Um, I've found a really useful way to talk about having too much stuff from a kind of end-user experience is to say, talk about clutter, the idea that you've got all these files everywhere and you can't find the one you need because you've got all the stuff everywhere. But to your point about not deleting stuff, people, you know, in the, in the document world, people just kind of shunt stuff into their folder and call it archive, much to the chagrin of everyone in the profession. Um, you know, and they don't delete stuff. They just get it out of their way so that they don't feel the clutter. I, so, I, yeah. I think there's a, I mean, I think there's the confluence of a couple of things there. And, you know, I mean, I think talking about these sorts of collusive relationships again, you know, I, I think there's a, 
<laughs> at risk of you know falling into the trap of some of the stuff that's been on the news lately about directors of companies saying you know we need to employ unemployment needs to go up it's not what i'm saying um we can't fire people anymore in the public service and you know there, there was a point at which you could and i i think you know, I, I think in in line with the with the improvement in labour laws that you know means that you know what's a word I can actually use on air? Um, you know, let, let's say nasty bosses, you know, can't throw their weight around and fire people without really good justification. You know, there's an imp- we've had an improvement there. You know, we say we've had an improvement that it's hard to fire people, but you know, then I think the discourse on record keeping in organisations is gone. You know, I mean, once upon a time, you know, and I, I have some old public servants that I'm indebted, in absolutely indebted to at the start of my records career for, you know, a series of discussions in Canberra over breakfast, you know, when I used to go down mm. pretty regularly. Mm. Um, but, you know, I mean, they'd, they'd have rules of thumb about the way they kept records and what they kept records for and the things that they noted in files when they were making decisions about things. And I think that the discourse on record keeping is gone. So we don't think about, you know, the need for admit for, for administrative and legal review anymore. What we think about is, oh well, let's just stuff all of the things that we that that we got from that in a file somewhere and hope that, you know, when somebody shows up for an administrative and or legal review, <clears throat> you know, there's something in there that says yes or no whether we did that right. Instead of sitting down and saying, well, I have to make a decision here. I need to keep a record of that decision and why I made it, because you know it doesn't follow the 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 the, the, the standard operational, you know, administrative uh, process of this thing I'm doing. So it's a variation, and I need to keep a record of why I made that decision. And here is the way that we we have that way of keeping those records in this organisation. You know, I, I think that kind of discourse is gone. Um, and the other, you know, the other discourse that I, I'm not seeing happening so much is, well, you know, this person in this part of the organisation, you know, gains this knowledge by going through this part of the process and that part of person in that part of the organisation over there needs that information later. So why are we not asking this person to record this information over here so that this person has a record that they can just pick up and use? And that one happens not as frequently as I'd like it to. But that discourse around record keeping, I think, is just I just I just don't I don't even hear it amongst record people in records management anymore. You know, what I what I hear is, you know, we're just trying to manage this massive great big thing over here and this thing here and we're still trying to do it with one at a time kind of metrics. And you know, I, we talked about granularity at the start. You know, well, do you do you measure the bulk thing, or do you get right down and do time and motion type studies? Well, this is another one of those problems. But you know, I mean, I think the the discourse around record keeping and record quality and how that drives business. I mean, I think that's the salvation of records ultimately, because that's what it was designed yeah. for. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Back up five hundred years. You know, when did the accounting profession really take off? Well, it really take took off five hundred years ago when a guy wrote a book about double entry accounting, and everyone went, "Shit!" All of a sudden, we're going to know, you know, how much money we've got and whether we can spend something. You know, yeah, and, yeah, God, yeah, yeah, that seems right. like a good idea. Let's all do that. And yeah. literally, like you know, you look and at the hire someone or not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? I mean, that's when it that's when it took off because the quality of of record keeping had a 
all of a sudden the impact it had on the outcomes the organization was achieving were really really clear and i still sure. i'm i'm still waiting for you know general records management i think we're all still waiting for general records management to have that moment i think it's had it in some places you know yeah, I, I think it has yeah yeah like i think if you go to google you know <laughs> and ironically i think if you go to google or, or if you go to any any data analytics practice that's been around for more than five years. You know, there seems to be, I'm talking to some people in data management, you know, you, you start out with a data analytics practice and you can produce interesting, um, you know, stuff for people. And what happens over time is that, you know, the, the, the governance piece actually starts to matter more and more. So over about a five-year period, you know, you, you start out by being able to produce insights really clearly. And then if you don't have good governance frameworks in place over about five years, your ability to produce those results gets sucked down by, you know, having to deal with the, the problems of quality that you've created to the point sure. where yeah, yeah. you spend more money and time dealing with the quality problems than you do dealing with the actual gains that you're delivering. Yeah. And I, I think, um, I mean, perhaps the last point for today is um, <laughs> that, uh, to kind of uh, tie in there in terms of sort of things that could be measured I do see and we've called it out before that connection between um, data and analytics and um, and managing and governing information right because you know data is a subset of information and so we ought to be able to um, measure things around quality in uh, by seeing how well we can basically use them as inputs into the um, other analysis or basically measuring that the organization wants to do so it's kind of ironic that well not ironic but it just suddenly struck me that actually we have a role in trying to basically allow other people to measure stuff <laughs> because we work on the quality of information or ought to be working on the quality of information and the governance of information so that or one of the reasons is so that people can then run their fancy dashboards or do their reports or you know do their analysis from it yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually, I, I think the whole distinction between data and information, I mean, I think it's rubbish. And I think we need to, I, I think we need to, you know, remove that distinction. I think it's something that we've, we've invented so that we can say, you know, data people do data things and we're information people or something like that. Um, I, I think it was a historical thing that, about, you know, different, different skill sets. But I think yeah, for those yeah, of us exactly. who yep. consider ourselves working with information, we must, we must be good at data. <laughs> and we must bring in other specialists if we aren't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. technical specialist. This is in a database. We need a person who knows databases to to, to deal with that. But you know, it's still information. There's, there's table structures. They they give us a context for it. So you know, it's still information. And in, in, in my experience, the kinds of things we can bring in terms of managing information, um, and a bunch of kind of the techniques that we might apply are often like kind Identic of. Um, yeah, identical, but also sometimes things that um, people who are working at that pointy end of actually doing the analysis are just not across. And they're like, oh, brilliant. That makes total sense. Like, yes, that would improve things for me if we could, yeah. um, you know, track change over time and have assigned ways that, you know, you can update things or keep track of history or no, we don't need the history of this one. What we do with that? You know, those kinds of questions. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Hey, conscious of the time. Um, it's been a pleasure as always. Uh, very interested to hear from anyone out there um, your thoughts on measurement and whether or not you're actually giving that a go. Um, 
And otherwise, um, Judy should be back next time, and we'll catch you then. She'll keep us together. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, yes. everyone. Thanks, Michael. See ya.